Always exciting to start a year, right? 2023, it's always exciting to start a year. Something new. It's fresh. It's, it's, it's not broken in yet. It's not ruined yet. It's tar- tarnished yet. It's not, it's not, nothing has is, is gone wrong with it yet. Well, hopefully not in the 12 hours or so you've been in it. Let me ask you this question. What are you excited about for the coming year? What excites you about 2023? Graduation, that's a big deal. Tori up here is graduating from high school. That's, that's a big deal, right? Anybody excited about the World Baseball Classic? Boy, that's really moving the needle. No, no one gave a, no one's one of the biggest baseball fans. Yeah, that's all right. The coronation, the first coronation in 70 years is happening as King Charles takes the throne. There, do you know there's a, a solar eclipse coming in the fall? Do y'all remember the solar eclipse a few years ago? I don't think it's to that level. I don't think it's track. You know, remember that solar eclipse like tracked right through Goodlesville. Like Moss Wright was the epicenter of that that thing. There's a one coming a little north of here, but it's going to be going on. It's. I'm excited about some things here at the church. Our youth are getting ready in just a just a couple of weeks to go on a new retreat um, that they're going to Strength to Stand conference. And Noah talk a little bit about that more probably in the announcements. But we got around 60 kids and their uh, chaperones, adults going on that trip here in a couple of weeks. I'm excited about that. Brazil trip. We're going to take a trip to Brazil, be a part of a trip to Brazil this summer. There'll be a meeting about that real soon. We haven't done that since 2019. And so that's an exciting thing for me to think about us getting towards that. Our kids um, are going to Ridgecrest for Center Kid this year for the first time in several years. Ridgecrest is a special place. It's the place I was called to ministry. It's going to be an awesome year in 2023. I'm looking forward to the fact that there's not a major election happening this year. And so there won't be uh, political ads everywhere, right? That's exciting. Um, Although it seems like that primary season moves up and we'll be talking about that a lot. But at least hopefully not a lot of commercials. I, I will tell you, we don't know everything that's going to happen in 2023. We don't have any idea about all that's going to happen. But there's one thing that I'm pretty sure will be alive and well in 2023 because it has been just about every year over the last several and in particular has grown, it seems, in how much it's around. And that is nostalgia. People are loving looking to the past. I found it interesting. I don't know if you know this, but the we just finished 2022. How many did you know that? We just finished that year. We just finished that yesterday, right? And they uh, have recorded officially now, because we're done with 2022, the top movies of the year worldwide. And I thought it was interesting that all three of the top movies of 2022 worldwide were nostalgia movies. I mean, here they are. Top Gun Maverick hadn't been made since the mid-80s, right? It's a sequel to a mid-80s movie. It is the number one movie in the world money-wise, in America money-wise, and the highest rated among audiences. Avatar that just came out, right? Avatar hadn't been around in several years. It hadn't been around long enough that they built a Disney theme attraction and area since the movie came out from it. It's number two worldwide. And then even Jurassic World, which, spoiler alert if you haven't seen it, and it's on the poster, three of the original characters from the very first Jurassic Park are a major portion of the movie. It is nostalgia fest at the movies, right? 
And it doesn't stop this year. I mean, here's just a list of some things coming out in the years ahead. In this year, in 2023, scheduled for this year. Another movie in the Rocky franchise. Creed 3 is coming out. There's some whoops for some Rocky franchise there. I mean, Rocky came out the year I was born. That's been a while, right? And it's still going strong, right? And this is, this is the third, I mean, they make six Rockies. They're halfway there with the, with the Apollo Creed son. The Little Mermaid remake is coming out this year. There's a Barbie movie this year for those that remember playing for Barbie. There's a, another Ghostbusters that's coming out. Another Mission Impossible that's coming out, which is nostalgic about the movies from the mid-90s, which is nostalgic about the TV show from the 60s, right? And then you have Wonka coming out. It's a retelling of the Willy Wonka story that's coming. You've got the Flash movie, which is going to include... Batman, Michael Keaton as Batman from the 1980s version. And then what is considered the most anticipated movie of the year, either because people are scared it's going to be horrible like the last one or great like the first three, the fifth Indiana Jones film is coming out. That's all of that. In fact, what's interesting about this lineup is and the nostalgia part of that, this is the first year that in the top three, there hadn't been a Marvel movie in a long time. That's because nostalgia won. Nostalgia's not bad, right? We love thinking about what used to be and kind of going back to that. In fact, uh, there was a quote in a TV show called Mad Men where Don Draper's an ad executive and he's trying to sell Kodak on a carousel slide. How many of you remember slide projectors with carousels, right? He's trying to sell. That's what we used to do at Christmas at my grandparents. We would get the slide projector out and put it on the wall and click, 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 like, and everyone would go around. I'm a great voice actor, can't you tell? And so it would do the little clicks and then it would go around. We would do that and then we would play reel-to-reel movies. That's what we would do at our house but for nostalgia purposes, right, of doing that. Well, he's trying to sell them on the carousel and this is what he sells them. He says, what we're selling is not a product. We are selling nostalgia. He said, nostalgia, it's delicate but potent. It is a twinge in your heart far more powerful than memory alone. And this carousel, this machine, will take people to places where they ache to go again. Back home to a place that we know we are loved. The pull of nostalgia in our life is that it pulls us back to a place that seems simpler in our mind and better and safer and more comforting. The word nostalgia actually comes from two Greek words that actually means return pain. And it means a pain, an ache to return. And there's nothing wrong with nostalgia as long as we don't become stuck in the past we're longing for. And today I want to look at a passage that talks about the importance of remembering, but the importance of remembering in order to move forward into what God has for us. So if you've got your Bibles, turn with me to the book of Joshua. If you don't have a Bible, there should be one in the pew right in front of you. Joshua chapter 4, so right near the front of the Bible, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, Joshua, right? Sixth book of the Bible. It's right there, the fourth chapter of that. 
And we're going to look today at a story that happens as they're getting ready to enter into the promised land. And it says this in chapter 4, starting in verse 1. After the entire nation had finished crossing the Jordan, we'll talk about that more in a minute, the Lord spoke to Joshua, Choose twelve men from the people, one man from each tribe, and command them, Take twelve stones from this place in the middle of the Jordan where the priests are standing, carry them with you, and set them down at the place where you spend the night. So Joshua summoned the twelve men he had selected from the Israelites, one man from each tribe, and he said to them, Go across to the ark of the Lord your God in the middle of the Jordan. Each of you lift a stone onto his shoulder and one for each of the Israelite tribes, so that this will be a sign among you in the future. When your children ask you, What do these stones mean? You should tell them. So we're going to stop there because the main points of this message are what should we tell them. But I want to set the scene for you to begin. Joshua and the Israelites are getting ready to enter into the promised land. And as they're getting ready to enter into the promised land, they cross the Jordan River. The river backs up and stops as they step in with the Ark of the Covenant. And right now what you have are priests literally standing with the Ark of the Covenant holding it in the middle of a Jordan River that has almost like a dam that has built up there and is preventing the water from going. And as they're standing in the middle of the Jordan River with that Ark of the Covenant, the Israelites are passing through. Now, again, we're not talking about 20 or 30 people walking through. We're talking about thousands Hundreds of thousands, up to one or two million possibly people walking through this river. So it's not like it took them a couple of minutes, right? This took a little bit. And while they're doing that, they're holding the Ark of the Covenant. They get to the other side and the Lord says to Joshua, Hey, go get stones out of this river and take it to where you're going to sleep tonight. Get one man from each tribe to come. And so Joshua instructs them, hey, you from, from Dan and you from over there. He's like, come on, let's go. From all of the tribes, the 12 tribes, he takes them and he brings them out and they get a stone. And it gives this picture of that they're going to lift the stone up on their shoulder. Now, let me also say these aren't pebbles they're picking up. These are like foundational large stones. They're carrying them on their shoulder. And they're going to walk out and they're going to place them where they're staying tonight. And he says, these are stones that are going to be built up and that we're going to put in place. And when your children ask you what these stones are for, when in the future people say, why are there 12 stones stacked upon each other? What is that? This is what you are to say. Now, as a nation, and as individuals, and as families, we have things that wouldn't make sense necessarily to other people without explanation. Maybe there's a tradition, maybe through this holiday season, there's a tradition in your family that doesn't quite make sense unless you know the story behind it. If you go to the memorials around in America, we're really good about putting up generally at memorials hey, this is why this is here, because people want to know, why is there a huge white obelisk in the middle of our nation's capital? 
what's for George Washington? Why are there walls that are up for the Vietnam War Memorial? Like there's explanations for that. God says, I want you to build these stones. And then when your children ask what is going on, what are these stones for? This is the answer I want you to give. There's three things these stones were supposed to do for the Israelites. And the first is they were to be stones of remembrance. They were to be stones to remember the faithfulness of what God has done. It says that right there to finish that verse. So that this will be a sign among you in the future when your children ask you what do these stones mean to you. You should tell them. The water of the Jordan was cut off in front of the Ark of the Lord's Covenant. When, we, when it crossed the Jordan, the Jordan's water was cut off. Therefore, these stones will always be a memorial for the Israelites. He says, basically, it's to remind them of God's faithfulness to us. Now, here's the reality of that story that they're going to tell to their children. It's not going to be that simple of a story. Maybe in your family, you've got somebody that's a grandparent, a grandmother, a grandfather, a great-grandmother, a great-grandfather, an aunt or an uncle that can't give you a one-and-a-half to two-minute story about anything. That you say, hey, why did we do that? And 30 minutes later, you're listening to the life story of your family clan. Anybody? Just nod if that's... Okay. If you don't have one of those, you are it. Okay? That's what the probably reality is. Like, I don't think there's anybody... It's probably you, all right? And so for the Israelites, this wouldn't have been as simple as, why are these stones here? Well, they're here because we walked through the Jordan River and it blocked it, and uh, the Ark of the Covenant was there. That's it. It was going to be a longer explanation. It was going to be where you see the reason that these stones are here is because there was a man named Abram that God said, I want to build a nation out of you. And I've called you out of where you are and I've called you to go to a place that I'll show you. And when you get there, I'm going to bless you and I'm going to bless the nations of the earth through you. And Abram had some sons. Abram had one son that was not the legitimate way that God wanted. And then he had one that was Abraham had Isaac and Isaac had Jacob and Jacob had 12 sons. And one of those sons was his kind of favorite and kind of in all kinds of issues. By the way, this summer coming up in 2023, we're going to spend our summer looking at the life of Joseph. I'm really excited about that. But Joseph ends up in Egypt where he's in place of position of power and he helps to save the Israelite people in the midst of that. God was faithful to us by delivering Joseph into Egypt and elevating him so that he could save our people. And then Joseph lived there for a while and his family lived there for a while. And eventually a king rose up like, why do we have all these people from Joseph's family around? I don't even know who Joseph was. So we're going to enslave them. And they were in slavery and they called out to the Lord and they cried out to the Lord. And our God is faithful and he sent a deliverer named Moses. And Moses came and Moses delivered our people. There were plagues sent on the Egyptians. Moses took our people out of the land. We were led by God by a, a fire by night and a cloud by day that God was showing us which way to go and we got to the Red Sea and the Red Sea parted and we walked through on dry land and when we got to the other side the Egyptian army came in and the water flooded and destroyed them so that we were protected and God sent us to a place where he convened with Moses and he gave us the law that we are to follow in order to be a part of God's family and a part of God's kingdom and as we are walking along we are to be God's people to show people what God is like and he delivered for us manna every day we 
would wake up and our food would be provided. And he told us that if we would trust him, that we could go into the promised land. It would be a land flowing with milk and honey. It would be the most amazing thing we've ever seen. And God was faithful to keep all of his promises, but we weren't faithful. We doubted God. And when we went into the promised land and we saw the giants, many of our people said that we could not do it. And God said that this generation will never see the promised land. And Moses, because of his anger in dealing with the people and the frustration he felt, did something that disqualified him from entering the promised land as well. And there were two that remained faithful in Joshua and Caleb. And they were allowed to lead the generation after the generation into the promised land. And when we got here, we went our own spies over and we were told that it was just as good as God has promised and it was just as formidable as our earlier people had said, but we trusted that the Lord our God would provide for us and be faithful. And so we decided to go. And God instructed us to take to the Ark of the Covenant and to walk into a river at flood stage that was roaring with rapids. And as we stepped in, the first step, the water began to part and it gave us dry land. And our God has been faithful to us since the day he said to Abram, leave this place and go to where I'll show you. That's what they were to remember. Not just that God had given them passage across the Jordan, but that God had delivered them time and time and time again. And particularly for this group of people who are wondering if they had the favor of God on them like Moses and those Israelites did, the Jordan was a repeat of the Red Sea to say God is with you just as he was with them. And here's what we need to understand is that God is with us just as he was with them. He is as faithful today. He is as strong today. He is as powerful today as he was then. And he always will be. One of the things that I would encourage you to do as you're heading into 2023 is to take some time today or tomorrow and just write down the victories that God brought into your life in 2022. I've had conversations with some of you about how God delivered you out of circumstances you didn't expect or you didn't know how you were going to get out of, or didn't understand the clarity of what was happening and God had brought you out. Maybe you're still walking through that, but you see God's faithfulness in the midst of that. Celebrate what God has done for you. As a church, we need to celebrate what God has done for us in 2022. The world is different than it was three years ago. It just is. Church is different than it was three years ago. It just is. And yet, in the midst of that, God hasn't changed a bit. And he is as faithful today as he has ever been. We have seen as many youth go into the baptismal waters in the last ten months as we have seen in about five years at this church. That is worth celebrating. And if that's not worth celebrating, I don't know why you're here. Because that is what we are about. We were able to pay off a debt. We have no debt. That's an awesome thing to pray. Give glory to God. Now, absolutely. Now, I will tell you, my preacher side's going to come out for a minute. I'm a little worried you clapped for that. You didn't clap for the baptisms. I mean, we need to check our hearts on that. Because what are we about? We need to remember the faithfulness 
of our God. And maybe that means you go find 12 stones from your yard and you stick them somewhere. But maybe there's a better way. I, I enjoyed yesterday on uh, December 31st my memories on Facebook and Instagram just coming up of years past and what I had written about what God had done in years past. Maybe that's for you. Maybe you don't publicize it, but you do a digital something where you've got it on record, but you've got it backed up somewhere so that you can go back year after year and go, oh man, I forgot God did that that year. Or I forgot I was praying for this and God provided in this year. These stones were to be stones of remembrance. Here's the second thing these stones are to be. And this isn't as explicit in the text, but it's there. They were to be stones of unity. Here's what it says when it talks about what they're to do with the stones. It says that they were to summon the 12 men he had selected from the Israelites, one from each tribe, and he was to take the ark. And the point that he's making there, it's very intentional that he chose 12 men with 12 stones from the 12 tribes. Because what Joshua is showing them, as God has instructed him, is that whatever they are going to accomplish for the Lord will be for naught, and it will not happen if they're not doing it together. And what's happening with them in this moment is that it's a unifying moment to say God has delivered all of us, and He has delivered all of us as one unit, and even though we are about to go into a promised land where they're going to divide up the land, that when we are at our best, We are, even though we have different ideas and places and different locales that we'll be living, when needed and when we are moving forward, we must move forward together as one. And then there's this little part there on verse 14 that says, And on that day the Lord exalted Joshua in the sight of all of Israel, and they revered him throughout his life as they had revered Moses. Now here's why that's important. It wasn't just that they were unified as all of them, and they were all leading together, they were unified under the leadership of God's appointed person in Joshua. They weren't just unified for unification's sake or just to say that they were giving each other's hugs and loving on each other and we love each other. Um, in fact, they did not love each other. They did not like each other at times. And it was evidence in what's coming in the book of Judges and beyond. They will despise and go to war with one another because they forget their purpose and what God has called them to do. They will literally fracture into two nations. They will divide into Ten tribes and two tribes, and as a result, they will be enemies, and they will not even protect one another when foreign invaders come. So this is a short-lived moment when they are unified. But the point that is being made is, if we're going to do things significant for the Lord, we need to be unified together under the leadership that God has provided. And so that's a lesson for us as a church. If we're not unified together, and I'm not talking about just liking each other, I'm talking about we have a central purpose, an understanding of what God's called us to do, a desire to follow God's plan for our lives and for our church. And if we're not unified around that and saying that everything else is secondary to that, then we will miss out on the opportunities God is going to put before us. And those of you who have been around for 15 years know that what I'm about to say is not something I normally say. This is not kind of how I operate, but I just felt the Lord saying, uh, reading this passage, thinking about it, thinking about the year ahead, all that's coming, I just felt like the Lord was calling me to say it. And that is, 15 and a half years ago, 
I had the unbelievable privilege to be voted as your pastor to lead you. Now, my hope is that that vote was not, we like this guy to be our pastor, that that vote was, this is who we believe God has brought to us to pastor us. And I believe that that is still the calling on my life as the pastor of this church, or I would not be here. And I believe that that is the calling that God has placed on my life for years to come. I have no intention of doing anything else. At the same time, God may at any moment say, they're done with you or you're done with them. And so I believe that we are entering into a time when there are going to need to be some things that we adjust and change and the focuses that we shift as we move forward into what God's called us to do in a new era, in a new way, in a new world that we're living to bring the gospel of Jesus Christ to people that are in desperate need of it. And I'm not calling you to follow blindly behind whatever the Lord leads me to lead us to do, but I am asking you, to pray about it, and to follow God's leading under the leadership that he has provided for this church. And again, that's not something I normally say to you guys. I just felt like the Lord told me to say it. And so over the next year, two, three, we may have to make some difficult decisions and some difficult pivots and look at some things. Now, you know me, the, the, the message is never going to change. We are all about the gospel of Jesus Christ, glorifying God with all that we are, because Jesus has paid for our sins, and we must take that message to the world. But how we do that may have to change based on the environment in which we live, because it is not the same as it was 20 years ago. It's not the same as it was 10 years ago. It's not the same as it was three years ago. And by the way, I don't think the technical glitches that are happening, we have very capable technical people. There's a short or something in my mic, but I don't think that it's coincidental that this message is being preached at this time and those things are happening. They were to be stones of unity. We were playing a game last night on New Year's Eve. And it was a, I don't know if you've ever played a game like Apples to Apples where you read a topic card and then you've got little cards on the outside. And I won't share all of them that were there because I don't want to embarrass Daniel and Katie Shaw for some of the things that they did. Um, But one of the little cards I got as an answer was the spiritual gift of criticism. And it was a joking answer because we joke about those kind of things and yet... I've met lots of people that think that is their spiritual gift. And there's a time and a place for conversation and discussion. But one of the things that we have to be very careful of is that the spirit of criticism doesn't enter into the place where it destroys the unity of what God is doing in a church. There would be stones of remembrance and stones of unity but they were also to be stones of declaration. Now this comes at the end of this chapter. And at the end of this chapter, Joshua's kind of repeating some of the things that are happening. By the way, Joshua set up stones in the middle of the Jordan River as well. He's got stones in kind of two places the way it appears. And then it comes down to the end of this, and he's going to summarize everything again. Verse 21, he says, After he set up the stones in Gilgal, they had taken from the Jordan. He said to the Israelites, In the future, when your children ask their fathers, What is the meaning of these stones? You should tell your children. 
the second time he said this, and this is a little different tact on what he says. Israel crossed the Jordan on dry ground. That's kind of the same. For the Lord your God dried up the water of the Jordan before you until you had crossed over, just as the Lord did to the Red Sea, which he dried up before us until we had crossed over. So again, God is still faithful. He is still there. This is a reminder of God's faithfulness. But look at verse 24. And this is so. The reason God did this, the reason God saved us, the reason God brought us out, the reason God separated the Jordan, the reason that God separated the Red Sea, the reason for the plagues, the reason for the law, the reason for all of that is so that all peoples of the earth may know that the Lord's hand is strong and that you may always fear, revere, respect, and follow the Lord your God. He says, what are these stones about? Yes, they're to remember what God has done in the past. Absolutely, is to remember the faithfulness of God. They remind us to stick together in God's calling on our lives here and now. But they are also to remind us that God's purpose in this life is to declare His glory to the nations and for people to come to understand how great He is. And we exist at First Baptist Church Goodlettsville to glorify God. And we could stop there in our purpose statement might be the shortest purpose statement a church ever had, but it ought to be the only reason behind everything we do is to glorify Him, is to declare His worth to the nations, to declare the glory of God to those that are alive. I think it's interesting that, I know I've told you this, but you know that in the original writings of the Bible, they did not have chapters and verses. That's something that they've done for us. To help us. And a lot of times what happens is, even if you're on a Bible reading plan, maybe you're starting a Bible reading plan today, you're going to read through the entire Bible or you're going to read through sections of the Bible. I'd encourage you to have some sort of plan to read the Bible every day over the next 365. But we often will get to the end of a chapter and go, oh, that's it. Great. That's awesome. I read my chapter today. Time to move on. But if you read chapter 5, verse 1, it is a continuation of what just happened. Because remember chapter 424 says that the point of this is that they all may know that the Lord's hand is strong and that you may fear the Lord. Look at chapter 5 verse 1 if you've got your Bibles open it will be on the screen. When all the Amorite kings across the Jordan to the west and all the Canaanite kings near the sea. Listen, in the Old Testament the Canaanites are the big bads. Right? Canaanites and the Philistines are big bads. When they heard how the Lord had dried up the water of the Jordan before the Israelites until they had crossed over. They lost heart and their courage failed because of the Israelites. Chapter 4, verse 24, the goal of this, the drying up of the Jordan River, the stones, is to remind people of how great God is, to remember how important it is to be unified and to declare the glories of God so that the nations may understand who God is. Chapter 5, verse 1, and when the nations heard what God did, they understood who God was. That is our ultimate goal. So what do we take from this? Here's, our, here's my closing statement for us. And I'm going to wrap it up with one little thing. In 2023, we need to constantly be aware of God's past faithfulness as we move forward together into His plan for our lives in FBC Goodlettsville. That's a very generic statement. But it's what we should be about. 
And the question that we have to ask ourselves in the days ahead is how do we treat what God has blessed us with as a church? Because the people of God in Israel could and did treat some things like an artifact, something to be studied and to talked about. And some of them treated it like an altar to give praise to God for what is happening. And what we have to ask ourselves is are we going to treat what God has done for us in the past as artifacts to be examined or are they to be altars where we give praise to God as we move forward in our lives? Another way to ask that is, are we building a museum to the past faithfulness of God or are we joining a mission for God's glory here, now, and forever? And there are minute decisions that happen all the time that we are determining whether we're trying to preserve a museum or we're trying to radically change the world on mission for God. A few weeks ago, we, uh, we talked about our room at the end ministry. We're doing it for the first time in uh, years since the pandemic. We were here on Christmas night. My family was here. The Shaw's, Carla's family was here. Serving those men on Christmas night who didn't have anywhere else to go. And I know in the first week or two of all that, working out some kinks and some different stuff, a couple of things got messed up in the building and some things had to be cleaned up. And there were some people that rightfully understand they're not excited about having to clean up or things getting messed up. But when I was there on Christmas Eve sharing the gospel with these men and then hearing gospel conversations between those men and people that were serving, between those those people that were there and my wife and Katie, between Daniel Shaw and those men sitting at a table with Luke having a conversation, having conversations with a guy that was a truck driver with Jimmy Bellinfont and I, having those conversations and being able to share the gospel of Jesus Christ, I thought to myself, so what if stuff gets a little messed up? Are we building a museum or are we doing a mission? My goal in 2023 is to ask us as a church, to refocus on what we're about. And to unify, not for unity's sake, but unify about the things and around the things that we're about, that matter, and that are primary. So over the next few weeks, starting next week, we're going to do a series that's about what our identity is, what the imprint we want to leave on the community around us looks like. And that's going to be what we're going to launch into for the next few weeks. We're going to follow that looking at Jesus' identity, reminding us of what he did and he taught when he made his I am statements. We'll look at the seven I am statements leading up to Easter. And so for the next few months, we're going to be talking about identity. Who are we? Who is Jesus? My prayer is that that will focus us more as we move forward into what God's called us to do. My question for you is, Are you ready, are you willing to do whatever the Lord calls us to do? And are you ready to join a mission for the gospel of Jesus Christ? Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we're thankful for this opportunity. We're thankful for the chance we get to worship you. And we pray, Lord, that you'll give us wisdom 
as we move forward, that you'll help us to remember your faithfulness, Lord, but we will not get stuck in the past or the nostalgia of what used to be. Or that we'll use that as a launching pad and a springboard to what you've called us to do. And that we will be focused on what you have called us to do here and now. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.